0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking the intersection of tight end ADP and opportunity on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. Unfortunately, coming to you whenever you are listening to this, without Curtis, uh, he is a very busy gentleman right now, has a lot going on, and unfortunately was not going to be able to record Thursday night. But I figured I would move on full steam ahead and get something out for you, lovely listeners. To have to listen to on Friday morning or this weekend whenever you have the time to carve out. But I am excited to talk about tight ends tonight. Um, I think that there's a couple of players that are mispriced that, uh, you know, perhaps we can use to our advantage. But before we get into that, let's take a quick moment here for an FFPC stat attack and this stat attack is sourced from our Rotoviz Advanced Stats Explorer. I was looking at some tight end stats while thinking about some of the players. We're going to talk a little bit about more of this uh, this episode. And we know that last year, Dawson Knox was extremely efficient as a touchdown score. But what you might not know is is Hunter Henry actually was more efficient when you look at a targets per touchdown and routes per touchdown perspective. So Knox and Henry led the way with eight targets to every touchdown, meaning that every eight targets they saw, they scored a touchdown. This is of players with a minimum of at least 50 targets. They led all tight ends in that efficiency metric there. Further, if you look at routes per touchdown, Hunter Henry ran 42 routes to every touchdown, followed by Fryermuth at 48 routes to every touchdown. Then you had Dawson Knox at 50 to every touchdown. So he was one of the most efficient touchdown scorers last season. And if you also look at the air yards per target that players were seeing, you'll see that Hunter Henry came in. At fourth in intended air yards per target and on a route basis uh henry was still in the top 10. so when he was getting targeted it was downfield uh in comparison to many other tight ends and he was scoring touchdowns efficiently so those are things that we like to see as he takes Uh, a step into the second year with New England. Hopefully things can continue to improve. Hopefully Matt Jones gets to do a little bit more this year and we'll see where things go for Hunter Henry. Uh, But I found that to be a pretty interesting takeaway from playing around with some of the metrics in the Advanced Stats Explorer. So that has been our FFPC stat attack, head to myffpc.com, sign up for the main event, sign up for the Football Guys Players Championship, get in those best ball leagues, those dynasty leagues, and of course, the RotoViz Tri Flex leagues. Okay, this is the third episode we've done with this uh, concept where we are looking at, in this case, players ADP in ffpc leagues at the the, at their position and then comparing that with their projected opportunity per my projections we've talked a little bit about how uh you know this can be a somewhat slippery slope when you start looking at projections um as there's so many different ways that they could prove not to be true But ADP is largely informed by expectations and the information we have available at the current point in time. So let's see how that aligns with what feels like our best expectation in a perfect world at this point in time. And the first player that stands out when I do this exercise is Dallas Goddard. His positional ADP puts him in at tight end eight. However, his projected opportunity has him coming in at tight end 14. With tight ends, that's a significant delta there, that uh, six spot delta. Now, I can understand some of the hype that you might have for Goddard, if you will. And I actually think this ADP can make sense. Um, So I don't have too much of a push back on it. Um, But what I think that it does highlight to some degree is if you were to find yourself choosing between Goddard or maybe Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson, I would lean towards them in some regard as their expected workload um, in comparison to their ADP lines up better. Now, perhaps for tonight, we're not going to look so much into the projection machine and how I arrived at those numbers, but let's just look at the projections that we get out of the range of outcomes tool. So for those of you that might be unfamiliar, this is a tool that I built that looks at a player's performance from the last two seasons, looking at the stats that matter for that position. It then finds players that at different points in their careers performed similarly and then shows you how they, those players performed in their upcoming year. Excuse me there, I like to take a sip of water. Um, and then we can build an idea of what would be a reasonable range of outcomes by looking at what those matching players did in the season subsequent to their matching seasons. Now, Dalton Schultz from a historical distribution perspective or not Dalton Schultz. We're talking about Goddard right now comes in at wide receiver 10 from a targets per game perspective. And of course this isn't baking in changes that would happen in the offense. It's purely looking at information from last year. It puts Goddard in around nine in targets. Um, He is behind Schultz and he is behind Hawkinson And if we look at the historical distribution scores, he's behind both of those players as well. So unless you are expecting that there's going to be a massive step taken forward by the Eagles offense, perhaps you think another year for Jalen Hurts, the introduction of AJ Brown can make a pretty big difference for them. uh, Then it looks like perhaps Hawkinson, it Schultz will be better options. Um, And in terms of how much of a difference there is in their historical distribution scores, it's not too massive. Um, What I will do here is just open up the visualizations and see if I'm looking at those distributions uh, visually, if it looks to me like there's anything worth noting here. Um, Goddard very concentrated with most of his matches around eight to maybe 11 points per game. Um, overall, you're getting a pretty similar distribution to what you see for Hawkinson and Schultz. So maybe the ADP is a little bit off when we look at things through this lens. I don't think that um, in my mind that when I consider all of the factors of Goddard that I have a major issue with him having an ADP of tight end eight. Now, on the flip side of things, a player that looks like he's going a little bit later than maybe he should is Cole Komet. So, in my projections, Cole Komet has the seventh highest opportunity, in this case, second or seventh highest amount of targets, uh, but he's going at an ADP of 12. And if we also bounce this off of the range of outcomes app, um, we will see that the from a workload perspective, Cole Komet does not find his way into the top 10. In fact, I need to uh, quickly here look things up. He is very far down. As a result of that, his historical distribution score is pretty low. Is last year going to be a good representation for what I think we could expect for Comet this year. Probably not. I don't think the range of outcomes tool is able to view Comet, uh, or his entire situation this year. Um, so I think I would rely a little bit more on that subjective projection, a little bit more on what I'm expecting. Curtis and I have talked a lot about how we both expect this offense to be a little bit better this year. Justin Fields to take a step forward, Cole Comet to remain a pretty substantial player in that offense. And I think that you're very realistically looking, uh, at Cole Komet seeing somewhere around a hundred targets, which on a per game basis would get him to around six targets a game. Perhaps it's at five, um, But uh, nonetheless, though, I think that he's looking like a player that's going now a little bit later than perhaps he should. And we've talked about Irv Smith. Now, Irv Smith has the opposite situation. His positional ADP puts him at 13, but he is, in my projections, coming in with the 18th highest workload among tight ends. So there's a pretty big delta right there. So it's great that you can get commit at a spot like this, where I feel that he has the potential to finish somewhere, uh, probably not in the top five or six tight ends, but could get pretty close. And he's going, um, at a point in drafts, which is significantly later than somebody like Dalton Schultz. So Irv Smith, and I believe that we've talked about this before, but it just does not feel like he's going to be able to have the type of opportunity that would support evaluation like this. So if you're looking at Minnesota's offense, I'm not sure exactly how you arrive at him having such a, a wonderful season there. I think that you would have to see a pretty high touchdown total for that to happen. Sure. Minnesota could start passing the ball a lot more frequently, but with Justin Jefferson And Adam Thielen there, it just does not feel like a situation that's conducive to him getting a lot of looks. Uh, If you look at the projection machine, and we'll do this to try to get a sense of really break down and dig into here, why until things change, it looks like it's going to be tough for Smith to be able to put up a, you know, borderline tight end one performance Uh, We'll look at Minnesota's overall play volume, which is going to be probably somewhere around league average. Maybe this team's a little bit better this year with some of the changes they've made. They actually were an eight and nine type of team last year. So this play volume around league average feels okay. And I think that you see Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen combining for around a 50% target share now KJ Osborne last year uh, as the wide receiver three in this offense he saw a target share of 15% I even have him drop down to 14 in my projection it's a little bit conservative perhaps but what you're seeing is between the top three wide receivers 65% of that target share being taken away you have a back in Dalvin Cook that could see 10% Alexander Madison's probably going to be a little bit involved when you start doing all of this. It's hard to have our Smith getting to 13%. He's probably going to be somewhere around 10 or 11. And I still have in my projections, him getting five receiving touchdowns, which for 66 targets uh, and a pretty high catch percentage that he does have good yards per reception, all encouraging things in terms of efficiency, uh, it still does not get him very high into the tight end rankings. So just for the reason that I think he is being overdrafted. Um, so I would really, really much rather have Comet by a substantial margin than Irv Smith. And these are two players that are going in relatively the same range. Now,
2: that's slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Albert Okui Boonam. As a positional ADP of tight end 16 in FFPC drafts, my projections put him at tight end 23 in terms of opportunity. Now, if you're looking at Akui Boonham, it's really hard with Russell Wilson coming into town to look to the past and try to carry that forward into a meaningful projection for the coming year without correcting for some of those subjective things that we would. Now, one thing that I could see people formulating in their mind to kind of make more strong of a case for him is that now with Tim Patrick, unfortunately out for the season for Denver, that perhaps that shoots up his target share to some extent. Uh, But what I think that we more commonly see when you look at way that targets get distributed on a team and this holds most often when a player uh, becomes unavailable is that their targets get spread over a variety of players. So I don't think that Tim Patrick being unavailable opens up an extra four or 5% for Albert. O. Uh, that seems very unlikely to me as many would expect. KJ handler will be the beneficiary of the majority of the targets that would have been going to Tim Patrick, but then they'll probably get distributed out a little bit to Sutton, a little bit to Judy, a little bit to maybe two or three other wide receivers on that team. So if that's one of the selling points for you, uh, I don't think that it should be. I would be okay with one thinking that Denver is going to really take a major step forward as an offense this year, that targets are going to be of a much higher quality that there could be a connection between Wilson and Akui Boonum, uh, or that he could get an exceptionally high touchdown rate, um, just as a pro, or just to give a little more information here, Akui Boonham comes out at twenty overall in my projections. I would feel comfortable drafting him around tight end sixteen because I think that there's a little bit of upside. Uh, but I think that this exercise is important to run through as it shows that. For him to match this ADP, he probably does need to have some things break his way. Now, on Denver, my projection assumes that he sees approximately 12% of the looks there last year. Uh, That's a number that feels pretty reasonable to me. I don't really think that that is an expectation that's undershooting or overshooting things. Uh, In 2020, he was at 10% 21. He was at 10% as well. So this gives him a little bit of a boost um, in that offense. And then since you might be, might be interested, I have Sutton at 23% Judy at 21% KJ Hamler comes in at 14. uh, And then between Gordon and Williams, they're getting 12%. So That's kind of my thoughts on Albert O. As I continue looking down the list, the only other player that I see as being significantly missed priced, well, I take that back. Uh, We will also, I'll also point out Logan Thomas uh, in a minute. But So Hayden Hurst, I see him with a positional ADP here of 24. My projections, though, have him in at tight end 33 but this is a case where I think that it's fair to some extent to fade, um, that opportunity projection, because I think that the quality of targets for him will probably be higher than your average tight end. Um, given what we saw from Cincinnati last year, the group of receivers that he's playing with, I am more encouraged about his prospects for the coming year. Um, than that, that opportunity number itself uh, presents. I am in the range of Outcomes Tool right now. Uh, and it You know, it doesn't really love Hayden Hurst. It has him, interestingly enough, coming in in a very similar spot to where that projection puts him. Um, but like I said, I think that if you're looking at tight ends in that range, he has more upside than a lot of the other players that you're going to be looking at, or he has more of a potential to have games that would make him worth keeping on your roster or having, of course, when you're drafting tight ends at this point in the draft, if you're playing redraft, you're probably not going to need to worry that much about these guys because they probably are more or less replacement level players. Uh, but in that range, if you're looking for a player that could move out of that replacement level spot, I think he has a better chance than some of those other guys around him um, or that come directly after him. I'm thinking Brevin Jordan, Cameron Brait, Moali Cox, uh, Robert Tunyon. I actually probably should have mentioned because we see the reverse in his case. He is at a positional ADP of 22. Uh, my subjective projections get, or not my my subjective projections volume gets him in at tight end 15. Uh, we will take a look here, though, at the range of outcomes tool based upon what we've seen. And sure, things are going to be a little bit different now that Devontae Adams isn't around. Uh, but this puts him in the mid 20s in terms of targets. In terms of just average PPR, we see Tunyon ending up really uh, with what might be a disappointing projection for a lot of folks out there in the same spot as well in the mid-20s. I would be okay with somebody moving a little bit ahead, or or not ahead, uh, let me say it differently. I would be more okay with taking him um, maybe around ADP, maybe a few spots ahead of like an Evan Ingram or David Njoku, uh, because you you do see the possibility that he doesn't need to have too many things break his way for him to at least justify that ADP. If not, outplay it. Uh, and Logan Thomas, it, it's hard to really comment here on a delta between ADP and the workload uh, because there are questions about what his availability and what his health will look like this year which is probably one of the things that is depressing his ADP. Ah, and I actually forgot. We had a listener question come in that I wanted to talk about. Uh probably should have mentioned that in the um in the opening. But it's a pretty simple question here, simple answer. Uh hey guys, love the show all summer. I've been torn between keeping one of these three guys in my Two quarterback, four point per passing touchdown, 0.2 PPR league, Chubb in the ninth, Debo in the ninth, Lance in the 10th. I think I'm leaning towards Lance now for the upside, but would love to hear your thoughts. This is a really easy one. Chubb in the ninth. We're at the point where, well, it's Chubb. If you do Chubb versus Debo, it's Debo a million times over. How many more seasons are you going to get from Chubb? They're in the same spot. Debo, much more intriguing there. Then you have Debo in the ninth versus his quarterback in the 10th in a two quarterback league, a player like Lance, that's looking like he has the upside that he does. That could be really exciting and is also a starting quarterback. Um, There's just no question here. You're going to go Lance in the 10th for sure. Um, If it were one quarterback league, you know, I think I would definitely Lean toward Debo, but with this being a two quarterback league, there really isn't any discussion. It's 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 Lance 100 percent. All right. I hope that everyone out there has a great weekend. Uh, Hopefully we can get Curtis back for some episodes next week. As I have mentioned, I want to do a bold predictions episode. Get us your bold predictions Uh, call into the number. It is in the show notes. You should be able to find this. You can hear it play in the outro. As I've mentioned, I do not, I do not have it committed to memory, and I'm, I'm stalling right now so I can actually go and pull up this number. A couple of reasons. I want to make sure that this line um, is still working. We haven't gotten a call in a while. People are much more inclined to send us in emails. That's fine. You can also tweet at us. But the number, so you can leave a voicemail, and we will play it on the show. And if we play it on the show, you have a decent chance of getting some merchandise. We'll randomly select a couple of the submissions, send something your way. The number 978-615-9214, 978-615-9214. We would also really love to answer some of the questions that you have. Uh, You know, if it's making last minute dynasty trades before the season starts, more keeper questions, high level strategy questions, uh, player-specific questions, anything that you have, shoot those our way, and we will be back next week. Thank you for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at FF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.